Well, hey, everybody, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Whether you're here online, I want to say thanks for being here. We'd love to have you. We love uh, our congregation that we have online. Also, if you're in Townsville, if you're normally at the Upland campus or Rosina Ranch, we're really, really glad to have you with us today. Uh, for those of you who are here, here with us on the plaza, thank you for making it out here. We're so glad to have you here today. We know that God has something really special for us. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors on, uh, on staff with Water of Life. I oversee all of our campuses. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I have a few things I want to talk to you about before we head into worship. And so uh, this is a season where we know it's been, uh, for a lot of us, it's been hard. It's feel, felt shut down. It's felt divided. And so Pastor Dan uh, prayerfully considered what we're doing this, this season. And one of the things that he came up with that I just thought was so important is he decided to do a campaign called 40 Days of Prayer. And this is one of those campaigns, if you've been around Water of Life for a little while, you remember how we've done these all-in campaigns and everybody's a part of this, all the way from the kids up through uh, middle school and high school into our young adults and especially with our small groups. And so we wanna encourage you, there's gonna be all kind of things going on, a lot of stuff that we normally do in January from things like um, prayer in the morning, uh, we do prayer at 5.30 uh, Monday through Friday uh, here in the, MP, or, I'm sorry, in the, in, the, uh, in the worship center at the, at the Fontana campus. Uh, we're gonna be doing that every weekday. There's gonna be devotionals. Uh, there's this prayer journal, this amazing 40, day, uh, 40 days of prayer, prayer guide and journal. We've got uh, scriptures that we're memorizing. Uh, it's, it's just a campaign to really bring people together and have them focus on praying and being together for this 40 days. Uh, Pastor Dan's gonna start the message series next week on uh, October 10th and 11th. And that's when we're gonna kick off this whole campaign. And so I wanna encourage you with a couple things. First of all, you gotta get your prayer guide. This book right here is gonna be uh, your menu, it's gonna be your journal, it's gonna be your curriculum for everything that we're doing. I wanna encourage you, guys, you to get this. You can get it here uh, during services in the concourse at Fontana, at the Fontana campus. You can also get it at the administrative offices in Fontana at our Miller offices. But you'll wanna go to wallupdates.com to check on availability and when they'll be handing those things out. So you wanna make sure and get that. The other things I wanna encourage you is to get into a small group or host your own small group. If you're not in a small group or if you've thought about leading or maybe you led in the past, I know I haven't led for a while and now I'm jumping back in and my wife and I are gonna be leading a small group online. So however you wanna do it, whether it's in your backyard, in your patio or online, they're gonna provide you with everything you need. There's gonna be video teaching from Pastor Dan. There's gonna be these prayer, uh, prayer guides. There's gonna be training, everything you need to successfully host a group. And it's only five weeks. As Pastor Dan says, you can do anything, right? For five weeks, that's, that's barely over a month. And so we wanna encourage you to get involved and to do that. If you wanna host or join a small group, just text the word friends, friends with an S, to the number 818-818, and they'll get you everything you need. If you're here today with us in Fontana, uh, there's a table back there with some really good-looking, informative people. Uh, they would love to help you out with any questions you might have, and you can sign up back there. Uh, so just wanna encourage you that that's, uh, that's gonna be a huge part of our life over the next couple of months. Wanna encourage you to jump in. Um, also wanna encourage you that uh, if, uh, if you're online with us, after the end of the service, um, as Pastor Dan finishes his message, I wanna encourage you to stay on because I have some closing words for us and kind of a challenge that I wanna offer you before you sign off. 
Um, and as we enter into worship, I want to encourage you that uh, you can give here if you're in Fontana. Uh, there's giving boxes all over the plaza. Or you can give online on our, on our website at wateroflifecc.org. Um, as we transition into worship, I want to just tell you about something really cool that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I live about half a mile from where I'm standing right now. And I was working in my backyard and I was just doing some stuff. And I heard a sound that was familiar and I couldn't believe my ears when I realized that I was hearing worship from Water of Life out here on the plaza at my house. And I thought, this is so cool. And as I thought about it and I started praying about it today, I was thinking, you know what, we've thought about the masks and we thought about being out of the building and being separated in our homes and stuff as such a negative. And in a lot of ways, it can be a negative. But I also think about the truth that as we got out of the building, it's like God took the, took the lid off of our worship and he enabled us to be able to be heard, literally, by our whole community as we praise God. That he's, wherever you're at, if you're online, uh, at home, he's allowing you to be heard by your friends and family. Maybe if you're loud enough, maybe even by your neighbors. And this is an opportunity for gl God's glory to go beyond the four walls that it's normally in. And so uh, Jesus said this, he said, if my name is lifted up before men, I will draw all men unto me. And so I just wanna encourage you as we transition into worship that we would worship louder and louder and bigger and bring the glory to God knowing that our job is just to lift up Jesus' name and he'll draw all men to himself. Would you stand with me? Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And we pray, God, that we would glorify you. God, that we would magnify you. That our voices would lift up higher and louder and go farther than they have before because right now a lot of us are outdoors or we're in our homes and we're being heard by people who don't normally hear your praises. So God, may we be your evangelists. May we be the ones uh, singing your gospel today as we sing your name louder and louder to everyone who will hear. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Amen.
Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. And I believe you are the way, the truth.
that to the Lord one voice as we declare that we need him in this place. Sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, you're my 
We look to the name Jesus today, our hope, our Savior. He says he'll wipe every tear from their eye. As we all cry, holy, holy are you, Lord, the great I am, who was and is and is to come. Lord, our story belongs to you. Our hope and our future belongs to you. Jesus, you are holy, you are perfect, and we are welcomed into your story, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. We declare that your name is beautiful and worthy. Let's sing like this. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, and nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Sing it out. What a beautiful name it is. What a lift his name high today. God, you are worthy of our praise and adoration. You are worthy of it all, Father. Lord, we do, we still have our praise, Father. And may it be a blessing to your ears, Father. This day, Lord, it's nothing without you. So we thank you for everything that you've done to bring us here, to be together with our brothers and sisters and to worship your name. So Lord, would you open our hearts, prepare the way for your word to go deep. We invite you in and we say that we love you and we worship you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. A blessing to worship with you. Say hello to those around you. Hello to everybody online. Let's get ready for the word. God bless you. How you doing today? 
You guys are all sitting way back there. Whoo, come up here. Yeah, I see you in the outer darkness out there. And all of you online in the way outer darkness out there, we want to welcome you. And those of you in Townsville, we want to say hi. Shout out to Townsville, Australia there online with us this service. So we just want to love on you guys and tell you that we care about you. And Hey, we're jumping into a, uh, a huge season here coming up. And I want to talk to you about it in just a minute here, just for a minute. We just got, these just came out yesterday. I know Pastor John just brought this up. But these are amazing, amazing, amazing prayer journals that we put a whole bunch of time into for you. Um, there's all kinds of notes in here for the services that we're going to do, the messages we're going to be teaching, um, sermon notes inside of here, all kinds of stuff for you to journal. And uh, you can pick these up in the back if you're here live. And if you're not here live, you can pick them up on a drive through that we're going to do so you can come by and get them from us. And... Um, We'll, I think I'm supposed to tell you when the drive-through is, but I don't even know when it is. So I'm like, when are we doing that? Yeah, I think it's uh, they just actually decided to do it Monday through Friday in the office. So if you want to, if you're online, you want to get one of these, come by the office, and we'll have these for you. These are really geared to small groups. I just need to tell you that. So this is about small groups, small groups, and small groups. And so we want to. Uh, all the resources in here, there's books on prayer that I put in the back of this and uh, things that you can do to grow in prayer. This is going to be a teaching time about prayer because the disciples went to Jesus and said, you know, teach us to pray. And so you can learn to what? Pray. You can learn to pray. A lot of people don't pray, but you can learn to pray. And the reality is, is we're going to do that the next 40 days together. So want to encourage you to get connected Get in a small group, um, open your home. We've got a bunch of you sign up as hosts. We want to say thank you, thank you for that. Some of you that are sitting out there and you're like, man, I'm not in a small group. You're online, you're not in a small group. Sign up and get in a small group. This is all geared towards small groups. Now, some of the other stuff we're going to hand you in a bag if you come and pick this stuff up or if you get it at the concourse on the way out. Uh, and there's sign-up tables back there where the balloons are and stuff. We've got a whole bunch of scriptures that we put on a little card here so you can take this with you to work and start memorizing the word. How many know you need to do that? You need the word in your heart, man. You need a word around you when you're in crisis. And so we have days in here marked out, 40 days, 40 verses for you to memorize, all kinds of, I mean, it's just gonna help you to grow. So we wanna encourage you, pick up a prayer guide, pick up memory verses, pick up the materials in the back, before you leave, pick them up in the office if you're not here and jump in with us for the next 40 days. We're gonna have all kinds of opportunities to pray like Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning here in the worship center, we're gonna be in here. We're gonna have Tuesday and Thursday nights of prayer, 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, those will be starting a week from tomorrow, tomorrow's Sunday, a week from Monday. So they'll be like on the 12th, 13th of October, we'll be kicking all that off. Uh, we're going to start the morning devotionals will be coming out to you, an email blast. If you haven't signed up for that, you want to sign up in the back or go online, sign up. 24-hour, 24 24-7 uh, kind of prayer clock we're going to do. I want to ask you to sign up for that. We're going to have two nights of prayer and worship nights of prayer. I want to ask you to come and join us for those. So we just got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be all prayer for the next 40 days. And we need to what? We, we do. We need to pray. I was just sitting over there during worship just praying, going, man, Lord, we need you. We need to cry out to God 
at a level we've never cried out to God. How many of you guys were here last night? A bunch of you? We had an awesome time last night. Last night was just, I thought, off the hook. You know, it was, uh, it was full of guys, it was packed, and we just had a great, great time to try to get ourselves back on course and, and really do the things we're supposed to do. We want to do the same thing for your marriages. You know, we've been talking about marriage and family. We're going to jump into the third part of this series on, on building your family's spiritual life. But some of you are like, you know, I've heard from a lot of you that your marriages are just hurting right now. They're hurting. I want to tell you that we have marriage enrichment meets online every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. You can get into that and do it virtually. We have marriage on the mend. It's going to start next Sunday morning live uh, on campus at 1130. We have marriage mentoring that's flexible. It's online or in person. We have uh, better marriage workshops the first three Saturdays of November. We're going to have workshops on, on building your marriage. We have pastoral counseling. We have all kinds of care for your marriage. So please don't stay on the sidelines in a desperate place until you end up totally fractured. Don't do that. you got to deal with the struggles. Amen? I mean, it's just the reality. We're all under a lot of pressures, tough times. You got to deal with the issues, man. Don't stay on the sidelines and miss the mark, okay? So, Father, we want to come to you right now and just say, God, there's no God like you. We need you, Lord. We're desperate for you, Father. We cry out, as we said last night with the guys, man, we need you. We just say, Father, please come and bind up your bride. Please come and touch your church. Please come and heal your people. Please come and help our families. Please come and help our hearts, God. Please hear the cry of our hearts today. Pour out your presence. We know you're crazy about us. We need your presence to move in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Okay, so you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone. We're going to jump back into this whole thing in several places. So I want to just encourage you to be ready. We started two weeks ago. With this, Pastor Shane was talking about the obvious things that if you're going to walk spiritually with your family, your life's got to be in tune with God. I mean, that's just so obvious. But a lot of us don't get that. We think that we can be messed up and messing up and that our kids or our family, our marriage is all going to be okay. How many know that's not going to happen? Come on, help me. You got to start dealing with who? Yourself. You got to deal with yourself. You got to deal with yourself. And, and if you don't deal with yourself, you're not going to make anybody else better. It's not going to happen. Jesus was here all the, all the, all the time. So we talked about the obvious. You have to live a spiritual life. You can't pass on anything spiritual. Then we talked about the not so obvious. Like how do you really build your family? I thought Jim Burns last week was amazing. You know, talking about the stories of how he worked to build his family. I actually thought we should have him come back and do another seminar and just talk to some of you about how to put life in your family. I want to talk to you about some of that today. But the reality is we talked about telling stories, telling stories, telling stories. Use teaching moments all the time. Find places in your journey with people around you. It doesn't matter if it's your kids. It doesn't matter if it's your friends. Anytime you're trying to impart spiritual truth, friends, you got to do it. you got to do it with life events. That's what Jesus did. So we talked about being thoughtful. We talked about where does your family invest time. Do you serve other people? Now, one of the things we talked about last night with the guys, and this is a huge concern for me right now, there is a mentality in the land, and it's pretty much like this. Because COVID's here, just shut down. I I'm sorry, but I don't know that verse in the Bible. Can you find that verse in the Bible for me, like when COVID shows up, just shut down? 
Just let everybody go to hell and don't care what happens to people. You can't think like that, friends. None of us can think like that. If you start to, there's this mentality that's happening all over our land. I mean, it's kind of like this. I understand there's fires. I understand there's issues. I understand, but we just have this mentality now, just close everything. Close the forest, close Disneyland, close this, close the church, close this, and it's all going to get better. How many of you notice it's not better? Hello? Have you noticed it's not better when you close everything and you change your whole lifestyle to where you get into a lifestyle that's kind of mundane and muted down and you're not focused and you're not prepared and you're not doing the right things. And God wants you to do the right things whether you got a mask on or no mask on. God wants you to do the right things. He wants your heart to be after him all the time, all the time, all the time. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying do things you shouldn't do. I'm saying don't allow COVID, don't allow the times, don't allow the virus, don't allow the government or the, the, the people sitting in chairs in some vacuum to tell you just to be muted. Don't do that. There's a spirit in the land that's not healthy, friends. Your, your marriages are in danger. Your family's in danger. you got to step up to the plate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? you got to step up to the plate. you got to get back in the race. That's what we were telling the guys last night. you got to get back in the race. The goal for all of us is to impart faith, whether it's in our friendships, our work relationships, is to impart faith. The greatest gift I have to give my kids, my grandchildren, is my faith. It's the greatest gift I've got to give away. It's the greatest gift you've got. It's what the world doesn't have. They are hungry for faith today. Give your faith away. Listen to Judges chapter 2, verse 7. It says, after that, a whole generation had been gathered together to their ancestors. They had died. Another generation grew up, and they knew neither the Lord, their God, nor what he had done for Israel. Friends, that should never happen. Please, let's not be a generation who goes quiet on Jesus. Let's not be a generation of people who just say, oh, we couldn't talk, you know, we couldn't. No, you can talk. You gotta talk. People are still going to hell. People are still hungry. People are still needy. People are still broken more than ever. We need to talk. So let's do this really quick. Let's review. Let's talk about Jim Mers last week because I thought what he did last week was amazing. He talked about 936 weeks, right? If you didn't hear it, you need to hear it. I mean, 936 weeks was an amazing thought. You have 936 weeks to influence your children from the time they're born to the time they leave the nest at 18 years of age. 936 weeks. How many know that's really short? It's really short. And those of you who had your kids growing up right now, it's like, boom, it's here and what? And gone. It's here and gone. And so take advantage of the 936 weeks. He talked about integrity. He said, listen, in Proverbs 10, 9, it says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Anybody want their family to be secure? Then you got to walk with integrity. You can't lie in your innermost being. You can't live a false life. You have to walk in integrity. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. How many of you know that's true? I mean, then he talked about the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your your strength, and the commandments that Jesus talked about. And he said, then I'll give you today that they will be written on your hearts. Written on your hearts. So here's a question for you. Have you ever been so excited about Jesus you couldn't not talk about him? That was a question. Have you ever been there? Did you need to get back there? You need a hunger for that. You need to say, God, I need that fire back in my soul. Holy Spirit, reawaken me. 
reawaken my soul. I am not, I don't want to go to sleep in the light. I don't want to be in Jesus and just go to sleep because there's too many people in the dark still. I want to be in the light and bring other people into the what? Into the light. And you need to start with your family. You got to start with your family, friends. You got to think, I need to bring my, my children, my grandchildren into the light. It says literally, he said, you talk about them when you sit down, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That, and Jim said last week so aptly, he said, listen, this has got to be a lifestyle, a lifestyle, a lifestyle. My son came to Jesus when he was three years old, and we were driving an old van that we had down Haven Avenue to pick apart. We were going down to get parts off of a van to fix our old van, and we are driving by the grapevines on Foothill and Haven. I know some of you are like, there's no grapevines there. Oh, there were grapevines there. You just have to be old enough to remember. <laughs> there were grapevines there. I'm old, okay? I remember the, the grapevines there. Some of you don't know, like if you look at, you're going down Haven and you get to Foothill on the right-hand side, the whole complex there on the right-hand side. That used to be the old winery. And they used to film the combat television show there. They had little Jeeps running around in the sand and it looked like it was in Italy. And most of you are like, what, what? No, 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 that really did happen once here. My son and I are driving down Haven Avenue and always, always, always I had worship music on. And I had worship music on in the van. And we're listening to Keith Green and Keith Green is singing the songs. And my son knows all the little jingles in the songs and he's singing, he's three years old. Let me explain something to you. You know, you have people in the state of California today vying. Are you ready for this vying? to have the right to kill three-year-olds because they have yet to identify themselves as a human being. That is a fact. That is a fact right now. You have people in your government that are saying when a child is born that they have five minutes after the child is alive to decide if they want to put them to death still to quote, abort them. Then you have another group of people that are saying, no, you should have at least two to four days to make a decision to take that child's life out. And then you have a group of people that have identified this philosophical idea that until a person has an identity, until they can identify themselves, until they can articulate who they are as a human being, they are not human. They are not human and they can be disposed of. Let me explain something to you. This is exactly what the Romans did in the early days of Christianity. The Romans would take children out when they got tired of their kids and they'd put them on the wall until they would die. And the Christians would go out and rescue the kids off the wall. It's what changed us because we wouldn't allow that to happen. And yet, friends, we're asleep in the light. We're allowing it to happen right now. My son was three years old. He would have been one of those people that these people say we should be able to still put them, quote, to sleep because they don't have an identity. He's singing Christian songs going to the, to the pick-apart down Haven Avenue, and he says to me, I love Keith Green, Daddy. And I said, me too, but he died. He goes, what does that mean? And I started explaining death to him, what it meant to be alive, and what it meant to what? To die. And I said, and then, but what, if you're a Christian and you die, then you go to be with who? 
You go to be with Jesus. So Keith Green and his kids died in a plane crash. They went to be with Jesus. But he's alive today. I said, Shaner, he's alive today. He's just not alive with us. He's in eternity. Daddy, I want to see him then. I said, the only way you can see him is give your heart to Jesus. I said that to him. And he said to me, how do I do that? And I said, we need to pray. And he said, let's pray. I pulled into the grapevines on a sandy road, parked my car, and my son prayed to receive Christ when he was three years old. Now you tell me if he has an identity or not. You tell me if the same person that preached two weeks ago gave his life to Christ when he was three years old. He had enough understanding to surrender his heart. I actually got him to record what happened on a little cassette tape so he would have it the rest of his life. So I took a little cassette tape and I said, okay, tell daddy what happened to you in the van. Well, I gave my heart to Jesus, we prayed together, and I, and I told Jesus I wanna be in eternity, I wanna see Keith Green, and, I, and I, I asked him to forgive me for all the things I do wrong. That was it, friends. From then on it was, I wanna be baptized, I wanna be baptized, I wanna be baptized, really. I held him off for three years and finally baptized him when he was six because I wanted him to remember the event. So I kept saying to him, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. Daddy, I wanna be baptized, I wanna be baptized. How many of you out here right now, how many of you online are Christians and you don't even care if you're baptized? Come on, friends, wake up. Wake up, you gotta wake up. You gotta obey what the Spirit is saying. If Jesus says get baptized, then you need to what? Get baptized. Your kids need to get baptized. Don't think like this. Don't think. He's only three years old. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll tell you what. He knows what he's talking about better than some of us. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's just one God. If God gets a hold of your kids' hearts, friends, he'll change your, 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 your home, your family. He'll change everything. You got to think like that. You got to think like that. You got to think like that. Listen, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, he said, these things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach other people. What does it mean? It means make a daily lifestyle. A daily lifestyle. Talk to your kids about the Lord. Talk to your kids about your struggles. Talk to your kids about what you're doing with God. Talk to your, your grandkids about what you're doing. Tell them, tell them, and tell them. Keep it in front of them all the time. I was sitting in a boat a couple weeks ago at the Colorado River on vacation. Early in the morning, like 5.30 in the morning, I'm sitting in a boat tied to the, the dock, and my grandson comes out of the house, and he comes walking down, and I'm reading my Bible. And he said, Papa, good morning. I said, dude, what are you doing up? And he goes, I, I'm, I couldn't sleep, and Mama told me I could come outside, that she was pretty sure you would be out here, and you were. And, and I said, okay, come here and sit next to me. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading my Bible. And I said, you got a Bible? And he said, no. I go, I think you do. And he goes, no, I don't have one. And I said, would you like one? He does have a Bible, okay. But, but he, I said, would you like one that like a lot of pictures in it? He goes, yeah. I grabbed my phone right away, opened up the Amazon, and we sat there and shopped for a Bible at 5.30 in the morning. I bought the Bible. I wrote in it. It showed up yesterday. I wrote in it this morning. He's over at my house playing. And I said, hey, hey, Linky, Papa got your Bible. Look at it. Check it out, man. Look at the pictures. Do you know who that is? He goes, yeah, that's David. And that big guy, that's Goliath, isn't it? Come on, he's four years old, friends. 
And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you're like indoctrinating. Let me tell you something what Jim Burns said to you last week if you didn't get this. If you don't tell them about Jesus, somebody else is going to tell them about the world. So you better just tell them about Jesus and figure it out. Because somebody else is going to fill the void that you're not filling. If you don't pour the heart of God into your kids, somebody else is going to pour the heart of the world into them. Friends, is that what you want? Please say no. No, you don't want that. Pour the heart of God into them. Take every single opportunity you've got to tell them about Jesus. 85% of people make a commitment. Jim said this last week, before they're 18 years old. So what did we do? Some people are like, man, I don't have the skill. If you listen to Jim talk last week, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, the stories he told about his family doing plays and stuff. I thought that was awesome. But for some of you, it would have been really intimidating. You would have been like, I can't do that. I, you know what? I don't know how to do a play. At my, I, I totally get that. But you know what we used to do? Just read the Chronicles of Narnia every single night. Every single night we read the Chronicles of Narnia. And then you get in the middle of the thing and Aslan's laying on a table and they kill Aslan. And the kids are like, oh no, Aslan died. I go, no, 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 Aslan is Jesus. And you just go right into the story of Jesus. Aslan is Jesus. And Jesus is never killed. He is never kept dead. Jesus is always alive. He's always alive. You can't kill him. And I, I use those stories to translate the heart of God into my children. And they were so enthralled that when we finished the seventh book, we would start back on the first one, and we read them for five years every night. That's why the license plate on my truck says Narnia, because my kids gave me a license plate on Father's Day years and years ago and said, you know, my heart is in Narnia. That was what the frame on the plate said. My heart is in, and it said Narnia on the license plate. You gotta live every day with your children, every day with your family. You gotta pour your heart into your kids. You gotta find every opportunity to do something that will change them. Will change. You know, we're not even through the introduction of this message yet. Man, this is important to me. You're important to me. The church is important to me. God's heart has gotta be broken right now, friends. He loves it when we're on fire, but when we go to sleep in the light, it's a scary time. Gary Thomas said this, there are literally hundreds of books about how to raise kids God's way, but there are actually very few Bible verses that talk clearly about how to raise your children. Maybe if the how-to was so clear and so important, it seems to me that God would have done that more than, more than a few verses. It isn't about that. It's about living your life every single day, every single day. It's about turning off the TV when there's sex and violence and things that undermine your kids' lives. Just turn it off, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Make clear your position that we don't believe that. We don't hold to that. We used to do that and it was near, not nearly as toxic as it, as it is today. But it was still bad when our kids were growing up and we would just turn the TV off. Oh no, we want to watch Bart Simpson. And I go, Barf Simpson makes me barf. I don't want to watch barf. But everybody at school watches him, daddy. And I said, we're not watching him. He's rude to his parents. He's rude to the people around him. He's not, we're not going to do that. I just would sit and explain it to him. You don't do this. If you love Jesus, you don't treat people like this. You don't dishonor people. You always learn to honor people. You gotta look for every teachable moment. So, so let's talk about this because some of you are here right now and this is very important for you. What do you do when your kids lose faith? Because I talk to you all the time. Those of you who have children that are adults now and your children have walked away from faith, from their faith, your faith, the faith, 
What do, you, what do you do with that? What do you do? Well, Jim wrote this great book that's called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And the subtitle on it is Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. You know, love your kids. That's, that's really the story here. But the, the reality of it is when you are struggling, you got to think like this. When you see your, your children's faith start to atrophy, Here's what is typically taking place. He lists like six things that happen. Let me cover them quickly with you. Neglect. I mean, just think yourself. These are the same things that you go through. When you neglect your faith, that's what you hear me, high level of concern right now. You neglect spiritual disciplines, reading the word, praying, worshiping, attending church, being in fellowship, serving other people. These small compromises end up in a lifestyle, a value, and they undermine your children's faith. That's like drifting. That's the second thing he talks about. Drifting is slow, often unseen at first. It's the same thing with us as adults. Your children drift, you drift, I drift, we all drift. We look up and we're far away from God. How did you get there? You just drifted away. Remember the Bible says this, the road is what? Come on, what is it? Yeah, well a lot of times we don't think narrow, do we? We think what? And we just drift away. But we're way off track when we drift away, friends, because the road is narrow. The road is narrow. It's not wide. It's wide that leads to destruction. If you drift, you're in trouble. You're in danger of destruction. The, 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 the third thing he said was unbelief or a lack of trust. If your children don't see you trusting God and taking risks, friends, they're not going to want to believe your faith. They're not going to want to even look at Jesus. They have to see you taking chances, risking Faith that doesn't flourish with, with self-reliance, it doesn't flourish because I make it happen. Faith flourishes whenever I trust God. When I, my children emerge into adulthood, they want to spread their wings and fly. And a lot of times they want to do it on their own. And that's normal. But, but what your prayer is all the time is that they'll circle back, right? To reliance on God when things get hard. The fourth thing that happens is disobedience or just a strong will, an act of will against God. Jesus said, those who accept my commandments, listen to these words, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So, 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 so hold it. If you don't accept the commandments and you don't obey the commandments, you don't love Jesus. Oh, but pastor, I do. No, you don't. Jesus said you don't. You gotta read this really clearly. He said, and I will reveal myself to them. John 14, 21. Willful disobedience cuts off the life flow of God. Now, I've done it, you've done it. How many of us have willfully disobeyed God? Let me see your hands. We've all done this, haven't we? And how many of you know you have to repent and you just gotta bow down before God and say, God, I'm so sorry. The fifth thing he says is, is outside of willful disobedience is just hardening your heart. It's the same thing. But hardening your heart, we've all done it. Your kids watch your heart get hard, their heart gets hard. Your children watch you not forgive people. Listen to me, please, right now. Parents, grandparents, when your children and grandchildren watch you not forgive the people in your life, you are giving them permission to be unforgiving. It's exactly what you're doing. And Jesus doesn't give us permission to be unforgiving. He said, listen, if you forgive, I will forgive you. You have to release people when they've hurt you. And what happens in our homes a lot of times, we don't. We get angry over something and we just spew out at home and we think, you know, this is the one place I can vent. Well, let me tell you something. You're killing your kids' lives. You're damaging your grandchildren's lives when you just spew out all over. You need to spew out to God and zip it in front of the others. 
You need to tell God, my heart's broken. This person really injured me. Your children need to see you forgiving, living and loving people and releasing people. Finally, finally, the sixth thing he said is when you watch your children forfeit their spiritual destiny. Now, what does that mean? It means that we reap what we sow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you watched your kids reaping what they're sowing? Hello? Does it break your heart? It should break your heart. So what, what, do you, what do you do with that? You've got to make decisions. I want to tell you what Gail and I did with that. But before I do, I want to touch one more thing that Jim didn't list. I would add that you, some of you need a wake-up call about being aware of sending your kids to colleges. What college do you send your children to, your grandchildren to? What are you doing? Because you need to understand that colleges today intentionally attempt to destroy children's faith. Intentionally. You see Irvine at their, at their orientation day intentionally identifies Christians in order to destroy their faith. Intentionally. We have several students who were in their classes a year ago, two years ago now. They went down there to sign up at UC Irvine. They asked everybody to stand up, and then they started saying things that were Christian. If you believe this and this and this, I want you to step forward. And the Christians stepped forward. They identified those students intentionally to attempt to destroy their faith while they were at school there. This is happening in your colleges. You need a wake-up call. you got to understand this is happening. There are people who want to destroy your kid's faith. So here's a question for you. If you send your kid to the greatest school in the nation and they come back with no hope in Jesus, what did you accomplish? If you poured your life into your children for 18 years and then you shift them off to somebody who hates God and they spend every day with those people telling them how not to believe in Jesus, what did you accomplish for eternity? You've got to find schools and places that support faith and send your children to those places, friends. If you're going to send, my kids went to public schools, but every night they came home, we sat at the table and talked. Every night. Yeah, I got this history teacher. She's teaching this. I got this person. They believe all of this. I got this person. They believe. We would talk about it every single night. I wanted my finger on the pulse every night. I knew how dangerous it was, and that was 20 years ago. How much more dangerous is it today? If you're gonna raise Christian children, Christian grandchildren, friends, you better have your finger on the pulse. Okay, we got like three minutes left, and no, I'm joking, not that little, but we're almost done. Watch this. What can you do? What do you do if your kids walk away? Remain graceful. Don't get angry and harsh. I talk to so many of you who contact me and you're just mad at your kids. Every time they come over, you just lay into them. That is not going to heal this. That's not going to be graceful. Listen, it's the kindness. Romans chapter 2. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's the kindness of God. you got to be thoughtful. you got to be nice. you got to be kind. And you got to look for teachable moments. you got to think like this. If God is right and your kids are wrong, then they're going to start reaping something negative that, they're, that, that, that they've sown. Does that make sense? They're going to start feeling some pain with their decisions. When they start to feel the pain, that's your opportunity to talk nice. That's your opportunity to speak to them. That's your opportunity to say, hey, hey, listen, if we make those kind of decisions, it's going to hurt us. 
So we want to help you get out of that. We want to help you not to make those kind of choices. We want to not to get angry with them, not to get bitter with them, not to get frustrated with them. Be graceful. Look for opportunities to be thoughtful. Understand this. You've got to let them reap what they're sowing. So many of us today, we think love is spelled rescue. No, we do. We think, man, if I love my kids, i got to save them from themselves. No, you don't. How many of you know that life is full of hard knocks? Hello? Life is like the school of hard knocks. You need to reap what you've sown. Now, that doesn't mean you just abandon them. I'm not saying that. But if you try to rescue your children from the pain that they've created for themselves, you are usually not going to be helping them. You usually are not going to be assisting them to grow as a person. You're going to be hindering them. So what does that mean? It means this. You've got to realize that God is bigger than your kids' decisions. You've got to release your children to God. Some of you haven't figured that out. It's not your place to rescue and rescue and rescue. It's your place to pray and pray and pray, to pray and fast. I've told the story over and over and over and over and over. Every Tuesday, Gail and I prayed and fasted for our kids for years. For years and years and years, we would take every Tuesday and we would not eat during the day and we would pray for our children. Most of the time when parents come in and they tell me, our, my kids don't get along, they've walked away from their faith, I'll say this to you, are you praying for them? Oh yeah, I pray. No, no, no. Are you fasting and praying? Are you setting aside specific time to do warfare? Are you really attacking the strongholds in their life? Are you going after them in prayer? Oh no, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. Well, you do that on your knees. That's what we're going to be teaching you in the next 40 days. You do that on your knees, you got to learn to pray. You can break strongholds, you can make a difference, but you got to pray. you got to fast, you got to believe in your kid's destiny. You have spiritual authority even when your children are out of your home. You have spiritual authority over their lives. Exercise your authority with hell. Go after your kids in prayer. Take your rightful place. Stand up and bow down and pray. Continue to influence them as much as you can. Look for places everywhere, whether it's a holiday, a meal. Listen, all you have to do is just hold your convictions when they're in your house. You know, you, we pray before we eat, so we're going to pray. Well, I don't pray anymore. I, I don't care. You eating? Yeah, then we're praying. I mean, this is simple. I got non-Christian friends all over the world that I hang out with sometimes, and they always know this. They'll, set, they'll, they'll start to eat, and they'll be laughing. We'll be in a restaurant, and they'll stop, and they'll go, we can't eat yet, huh? No. Can't eat. We're praying. We're praying before we eat. Okay, let's all pray. And they'll pray. I want to influence the moment. Do you understand that? I want to influence them every single chance I get. So, so watch this, because this is, we'll close up here in just a second. But I want you to read this with me. This is a really important thought for some of you right here. If you're online, if you're here live, let's read this loud. Let's read it together. It says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a sh my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. And about this time, when his money ran out, a great famine swept through the land, and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was getting, feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything to eat. Friends, this is some of your kids right now. This guy really wanted his dad dead. I mean, you gotta get this. The picture that Jesus painted was, the guy's like, look, dude, in my mind, you're out. Give me, your, give me my cut of the stuff. I don't care about you, I want the stuff. Now, if you think this isn't happening today, I, I'm sorry to tell you, I do too many funerals, and I watch family, as soon as a person breathed their last breath, they start to fight over the what? The stuff. They start fighting over stuff. Well, friends, it's not very smart because, listen, the person who just died didn't get to take it with him, and neither are you. You're not taking anything with you. you got to figure this out. But this boy didn't figure it out. Look at how the story goes on. If you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, it goes on in verse 17, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, when this boy finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'm going to go home and tell my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Hold, hold, hold it. Here's a boy who just did what? He reaped what he had sown. Is that right or not? He reaped what he had sown. If Jesus is telling you a story and it's about a boy who's reaping what he's sowing, how many of you need to let your kids reap what they're sowing if you want them to come home to Jesus? You've got to do this as painful as it is. This must have broken this father's heart. He says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father I've sinned against heaven and, and against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called a son. But just please take me as a, a hired servant. You feed your people better than I'm getting fed. Verse 20, he returned to his father. Most of you know the story. While he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. This is a picture of your heavenly father. Come on, get this. God is watching you. He's watching your kids. If you're interceding for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, God is watching your family. He's guarding the things that are, are in your heart. It says his father was filled with love and compassion. That's how you're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger. I'm not going to teach the whole thing. I've taught it many, many times. But the bottom line is this. Kill the calf. And we're going to celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was, listen to these words, dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, and now he's found, and now he's found, so the party began. So, 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 hold, hold it. Some of you are sitting there right now, and you're like this. My kids are dead. They're gone. They're lost. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. God has never lost them. God never takes his eye off your children, your grandchildren. Friends, I get up every day on my prayer list, and I pray over my nieces, my nephews, my family members that are completely walked away from God, they don't know Jesus at all. Every day, I speak life over them. Every day, I ask Jesus for their life. Every day, I believe this, God will come and capture them. He would not put them on my heart if he wasn't gonna come and capture them. You need to think that way for your children, your grandchildren, your families, if your kids have wandered from the faith. Don't give up, don't give up. This, this kid, it says he came to himself. He actually saw himself. How many know some of your children need to see themselves? Hello? Your grandchildren, they need to see themselves. 
And he came home to a father who was rich in mercy. Psalm 103.10 says this, he does not treat us as we deserve and as our sins deserve. He doesn't, he doesn't treat us that way. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquity. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Listen, get this. God has compassion on me even if my kids don't care. When I cry out to my father, he cares. He hears my heart. And he goes after my children, my grandchildren, my family members, my nieces, my nephews, because God is crazy about me. And he knows I'm crazy about him. Go after God. Go after God. Go after God. And watch God go after your family. The Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows we are, are formed we are just dust. So you've got to get this. Pour when you have a chance everything you got into your family. And your kids will remember the goodness. That's what the boy remembered of his father. He took advantage of him, but he remembered his goodness. It's that old Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go, even though when they are old they will not depart from it. It literally means this. Train up each of your children differently and watch God work mightily. Some of you are in a lot of pain. I, I know you are. You're in hard places, and you've got to figure out something. God will use your pain for his glory. I know it's hard to feel that today. We're told so much not to feel pain, not to let pain happen. There's a story in this book, in Jim's book, about a lady. Many of you know who she is. Johnny Erickson Tata. And he tells this story about her. He says, she has always been a hero of mine. She's now in her late 60s. Johnny was paralyzed in a diving accident when she was just a teenager. All of her adult life, she has suffered, please listen to the word, suffered in deep pain, lives in a wheelchair, yet she is one of the most radiant people I have ever met. From the first day I read her story and watched a movie about her life, I've been intrigued by her attitude. One afternoon, 50 years after her accident, I had the privilege of interviewing her for a radio broadcast. As her and her husband, Ken, entered the studio, I was overcome by her radiance. I scrapped my carefully prepared interview questions and simply asked her a question, Johnny, how do you manage to be so radiant in the midst of your pain and suffering? She looked at me thought, thoughtfully for a few moments and then she smiled and she said, Jim, every day I find reasons amid my pain and my sorrow to be thankful for my life. The Bible says, give thanks in everything you do, and I guess that has become a reflex reaction for my whole life. He said that word that she said to me, that phrase, reflex reaction, jumped out at me. Even in her toughest, sorrowful times, Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata made thankfulness and gratitude a reflex habit of her heart. The difficulty of her circumstances had not changed her heart. She was never miraculously healed, though she prayed for that for years. But her attitude was one of deep joy because she chose to be thankful. Not only was her attitude amazing, but so was her perspective. I would have looked at this diving accident as a horrible event in my life, 
but her perspective of the diving accident was as awful as it was. It gave her the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with millions of people and to come alongside other people who were desperate for hope because she was uniquely equipped to speak into their suffering. Some of you need to figure this out. Your life is full of pain. Your family's full of pain. Your children are full of pain. Your grandchildren are full of pain. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Go after God. Stand with me, would you, and bow your heads. If you're online, would you just bow your heads with me right now? And those of you in Townsville, just bow your heads right now. Please remember, our culture's taught us that we should rescue our kids, that loving them means to keep them from pain. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It says, pray them through the pain. Be there waiting for them to come home in the pain. Believe through the pain. Give thanks in the pain. Stay in the moment. Many of us find it next to impossible to sit still and watch your children suffer. So God, we pray right now for grace. Grace, 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 God, to sit through the school of hard knocks with our kids, to not shelter and protect our children from reality when they've made bad choices, God, to help them when we are supposed to help them, to grab a hold of them when we need to help them, but Father, not to rescue them all the time from the struggle. So Lord, we pray right now for family members, children that are wayward, God, children that have walked away, that are angry, unbelieving, bitter, grandchildren that are full of unbelief, they feel so distant from Jesus, you think there's no chance. There's always a chance. Help us to never minimize your grace, your mercy, your power, your authority in the spiritual realm. Remind us, God, that you're crazy about our kids. You're crazy about our grandkids. You're crazy about us. You'll never leave us. You'll never abandon us. You'll never forsake us. And you'll never give up on those that we pray and intercede for. So, Father, we come to you today. We say, have your way with our families, God. Teach us to trust you, to intercede, to pray and fast, to wait and pray and fast, to believe and pray and fast, and not to give up. So God, as we move towards 40 days of prayer, we pray that you would cause us to be a praying group of people, Father, that we would actually pray and study and memorize and learn your word and pray your word and walk in your word, Father, in the next 40 days. And we would see the miraculous that you promise take place in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great, great week. There's going to be people right to my left ready to pray for you. Pastor John's going to come up and close your online audience. God bless you. Have a great day. So before you head out today, just wanted to encourage you with something really quick. Uh, we try to have something that's um, kind of a, something you can take uh, immediately through the week beyond what you've already heard. Um, a reflect question is, what are some opportunities you have to influence your family, your friends, and your community by de demonstrating God's goodness? This week, what are some opportunities that you might have? And, and I would just encourage you, take a shot of this with your phone or if you're online, take a screenshot. Just wanna encourage you to consider that. And also, a respond question is, use this week to ask God how you can pray 
and or fast for someone struggling with their faith as we prepare to begin our 40 days of prayer. I know for me that was totally my kids. I mean, a lot of us don't have kids or you have grandkids or whatever. Maybe it's somebody at work or it's somebody else that you influence. But as Pastor Dan shared what he did for his kids, that he fasted for them. Every week I thought, oh my gosh, am I really pressing in? Am I really contending for them in the way that I should? And so for me, I know I'll be praying and fasting for my kids. So before you go, do, I do wanna encourage you, if you're here, we have prayer right over here in our EK lobby. We have prayer partners who are ready to pray with you. Uh, if you're online, go ahead and press that prayer button and we'd love to partner with you in prayer. And also make sure you get your, your prayer guide. We have them right here in the uh, concourse for those of you that are here uh, online. Uh, we have them at the Miller office. You wanna contact the Miller office or go to wallupdates.com. And uh, for those of you in Townsville, you're gonna have your own book. It's not gonna look like this, but it's gonna be awesome. So great to have you with us this week. God bless you. Have a great week.